Imagine if medicine actually looked at you as a whole, opposed to looking at you as a bunch of separate systems. Dive into Integrative Wellness Radio with Dr. Nick and Dr. Nicole to learn more about the top trends in integrative medicine, to learn about what the limitations are with testing and what you can do to start your health journey. Hello, welcome back. We are talking all about mold this week, and we are specifically talking about how mold affects hormones. That is the big topic today. So um, I feel really passionate about talking about this primarily because there are so many women that I work with that come to me specifically to really figure out um, their hormonal issues but I have some women that come here and are really just looking to fix their hormones. And they're very set that that is the primary thing that's going on. And it's primarily because there is so much mixed information out there that is telling us that, you know, our mood is dictated by our hormones and our bloating is dictated by our hormones. And, you know, our eyes looking different is dictated by our hormones. It's like everything is all about hormones. And we almost feel guilty about it because our hormones obviously fluctuate throughout the month. And, you know, as women, we feel like we can't always be in control because, uh, you know, our hormones are just going to be all over the place. But I will tell you this is that when I work with people, women and men included, is very, very rarely do I ever actually do anything to manipulate their hormonal pathways. And the reason why is because if you figure out what is the foundation to what is going on with their hormones, you're able to correct the issue and also allow it to not come back. And one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is you know, hormonal therapy, you know, is hormone replacement, bioidentical therapies, are these good ideas? Is it a good idea to supplement with different things that are going to manipulate your estrogen levels that are also going to manipulate your progesterone levels? Because once you understand how there are so many things out there that can affect our hormones in a negative way, you're going to understand why you potentially have hit a plateau with correcting your hormonal symptoms. And also, too, why maybe you took a protocol and you felt great, and then you came off of the protocol and you're back to square one. Because I personally feel like that's one of the most frustrating things in you know healthcare and medicine is if you stay on the elimination diet, you'll feel good. But if you stray away, you're going to feel like crap. If you stay on your 47 supplements, you're going to do great. But if you stray away, you're not. And I don't really think like that anymore because what I've realized is that if you fix the foundation, if you actually truly have the ability to figure out the root cause through better testing, you actually can get people to a place that they can sustain their progress without giving up their life. And I think that that's a really important thing because I personally went through that. I went through the, I'm going to take 47 supplements. I'm going to, you know, never eat gluten again. I'm never going to have a glass of wine feeling like I couldn't go out and socialize because I had to be so strict. And then when I realized that, you know, this is causing me a lot of stress, 
I was able to dig a little bit deeper and figure out how I can create more balance in my life. So number one is I want you guys to really understand from a foundational level that you don't know what you don't know. It's impossible for you to know what is the root cause to your hormonal issues if you have not had better testing. I had a woman literally just an hour ago, 79 years old, just did a $700 hormonal panel through another doctor. Why? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. She's 79 years old. She is well past menopause. Her hormones are irrelevant at this point. But this is what happens when we don't necessarily understand the big picture of physiology and we're working with physicians that are just doing these really elaborate tests, grabbing at straws, hoping that they can figure it out. So there is a lot of testing that is available for you to understand the bigger picture. And also too, is you wanna understand that, you know, there's limitations with the testing. Secondary to that, there is a lot of belief systems around hormones. And I've kind of talked about this already is, oh, my hormones make me moody. Oh, my hormones create my PMS. Oh, my hormones make me cold. Oh, my hormones make my hair fall out. Oh, my hormones make my skin bad. And really at the end of the day, there are so many reasons as to why these things are happening, which we're going to talk more about tonight. We run an integrative practice. Um, primarily, we've transitioned from this functional medicine concept into what I call integrative medicine. And the reason why that has happened is because we really started to hit plateaus and see voids with really trying to just manipulate pathways, especially when it comes to hormones, is here, I'll give you this regimen. It'll help to correct your hormones. And as long as you stay on this, you feel good. But if you come off of it, you don't feel good. And I didn't necessarily feel that this was getting my patients to the place that they deserve to be. So it kept me kind of learning, growing, and evolving to understand the bigger picture. And at this point, for me, it's not about the symptoms. It's not even about the diagnosis. It's really just being able to figure out the bigger picture of how all of the symptoms link together and what's the foundational issue here. What is the one, maybe two major reasons why you feel the way you do, number one, and also why you have not been able to get yourself back to health. So with that being said, this type of approach is what allows me to work with so many different demographics and it also helps me to really correct the hormonal problems at the cause because again, you could easily have a mold or other types of infections that are causing the hormones to be off in the first place. So first and foremost is I want you to know that for those of you that are here, that you have suspected mold toxicity and you've been told no, if you've been trying to figure out your hormonal issues and nobody has been able to help you, if you tried to change your diet and you still fell flat, if you took a bunch of really expensive supplements that didn't help you, it's not your fault. It is not your fault that you haven't found the right doctor. It's not your fault that you weren't able to use Google to figure out how to heal yourself because there is a lot of information out there. There is a lot of conflicting information out there. And it is really, really difficult for us to navigate this blindly. And I say blindly because I know for me, I literally still to this day have a cabinet of supplements that is probably worth $25,000 
because I was constantly doing trial and error on myself. And then I realized there was a better way to do it and you can use and leverage testing to know what types of supplements are best for you, what types of dietary things are best for you. So it's not your fault that you haven't been able to figure this out. Honestly, it's almost impossible for you to figure this out on your own. So when we talk about mold and we talk about this whole foundation of understanding the big picture around mold toxicity and how it can impact your body, there's a couple of things that you need to understand foundationally. And this is really the foundation of IWG and like why and how we do what we do. So number one is my personal opinion is that the fact that we have segregated out medicine and healthcare to be specialties and subspecialties has really been the biggest detriment. And what I mean by that is we are assuming that all of our systems are working independently. And we're not acknowledging the fact that your heart is talking to your gut and your gut is talking to your brain and your kidneys are talking to your uh, your ovaries. Everything is in constant communication. And just when we talk about hormones alone is you have your brain talking to your thyroid, talking to your adrenals and also talking to your reproductive organs. Your hormones and your endocrine system is the most complicated system of the body, which is why it is so hard to fix by manipulating pathway to pathway. So that's why you need to dig deeper to figure out the bigger picture. And this really brings me to this understanding or lack of understanding basic physiology. So number one, and depression in the gut, I use that example all the time, but kind of relating it back to hormones is that when you have a thyroid condition, what they're looking at to gauge where your thyroid is at is your TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, which comes from your brain. But then we're just ignoring the fact that maybe the brain is involved here. Maybe there is an issue with how much blood flow is going to the hypothalamus. Maybe there is an issue with toxicity affecting the neurological system that could also be affecting how the thyroid is functioning. So we're again ignoring these connections and we're not acknowledging that there could be something more than what is what our symptoms are. So when it comes to mold in general, and again, we're going to connect how this affects hormones, but the one thing that I want you guys to understand, for those of you that are listening and they're like, and you're like, I don't even know if I've ever been exposed to mold. I don't really see how that's possible. I've never seen it in my house, etc. I hear it all the time. Yes, it can come from water damaged buildings. Most of the time you don't see it. It can be behind drywall. It could be in your ventilation systems. But the other two biggest places we're being exposed to mold is through food and also through antibiotics. So let's start with the food. So when it comes to food, everything from wheat, oats, grains, nuts, seeds, wine, cheese, and coffee are some, and I should say peanut butter as well. These are some of the, the foods that are highest in mold and all different types of mycotoxins. So when it comes to our exposures to mold, there are so many different ways that we can be exposed. And one of the things about this is some of you listening are like, how bad can it be? You know, like, oh, am I really going to have mold toxicity from eating these foods? 
So when I was in France, um, one of the things that was on the France 24 news was in relation to um, artificial intelligence that they use in the vineyards. And what the artificial intelligence does is it's drones that hover over the um, the vineyards and their job is to pick up on mold or fungal invasion of the vines. So this is a huge problem in agriculture. And unfortunately, we're not doing much about it in this country. And the French really just love their wine, hence why the uh, artificial intelligence is being used in vineyards, um, first and foremost, before the foods. But this is a way bigger problem than you may realize. So when it comes down to these foods, it's not about avoiding every single one of them, but it's definitely making sure that you are, you know, knowing that if you're eating these foods in abundance, it could be playing a role in why you feel bloated or why you feel like you have a lot of water or um, distension in your belly area. This can be a huge culprit for all of these things. It can also be a culprit for why you have so many food allergies. So, so many people come to me and they're like, I have so many food allergies. I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to eat. Chances are you have an allergy to mold. You don't really have an allergy to the proteins in every single one of those foods. So that's an important thing to take away is that sometimes it's not about what the food is. It's about what's on the food. The other big thing is when people come to me, I go through my questionnaire and I'm like, have you ever knowingly been exposed to mold? You know, do you eat these foods that are high in mold? No, 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 absolutely not. No way I've been exposed to mold. No possible way. And I'm like, okay, do you have an allergy to penicillin? Oh yeah, yeah, I've had that since I was five. So if you have an allergy to penicillin, amoxicillin, ampicillin, any cillin, you have been exposed to mold and you have toxic mold in your body because all of those antibiotics are made from mold. So the only way that you would have an allergy to those antibiotics is if you have been exposed to toxic levels of penicillium mold. And that penicillium mold can come from all of those foods that are listed above. So some of you listening may be familiar with um, the mold guru, Dr. Shoemaker, and I wanted to make note of this here because I think that it's important for people to know that these are not the only protocols out there for testing and for treatment. There is a lot of other ways to test for mold more accurately, and there are a lot of other ways to know how to work with mold. So when I went through Dr. Shoemaker's um, training, I didn't prescribe. I don't prescribe medications. So I opted to not use any of his protocols. So I actually deducted the protocols and found natural ways to go about it, which is actually more effective than people that have come to me after going through the protocols. But I think the biggest thing that I want you guys to take away is that when you dive into the Shoemaker um, research and literature is that you can easily relate to so many of these mold symptoms and you could easily be like, oh my gosh, I need to bind. I need to do everything in this protocol to get rid of the mold. Unfortunately, mold is not always the only part of the problem. And the biggest thing that I've learned after being in clinical practice for almost 10 years is that you have to make sure the body can actually get rid of it. 
You need to make sure that the liver is working. You need to make sure that the kidneys are working. You need to make sure that the lymph nodes are working. This is not about bind, 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 antifungal, antifungal, antifungal. This is about can your body actually filter out the mold through its natural pathways? So overall, it is actually not extremely difficult to get rid of mold, but you have to be strategic in that sense. So what does mold even look like? This is the crazy thing. And this is what I'm saying is that you can read about mold and be like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's what's been missing this whole time. This is totally what's going on because it can manifest as pain. It can manifest as inflammation. It can manifest as you can't lose weight. You have brain fog, memory loss, sinus issues, chronic respiratory issues, hormonal imbalances, skin issues, yeast infections, thyroid issues, lump in the throat, literally the list goes on. So when it comes to mold, I'm gonna tell you guys this, this is gonna sound overwhelming. Every single patient that I work with has mold in their body. Some of it is obviously extreme and some of it is not, but mold is not uncommon because it's on our food, guys. So it's very, very important for you to take away from this that if mold is part of your puzzle, you can work on it, you can get rid of it, you do not have to be on crazy protocols for over a year, but you also need to consider, is there other things going on? Are there other pieces to the puzzle? Because it's very unlikely that you just have mold toxicity and that's the end of the story. So when it comes to mold, how does this look? How does this look in real life? So I had a patient who came to me. Uh, she had chronic history of sinus issues. Her sinuses were pretty stable, you know, at the time that she came to me. But her big thing was she had Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune version of a low functioning thyroid. So when you think about Hashimoto's, the you think autoimmune, but the most common protocols is, okay, let's just use some type of thyroid medication to improve the amount of hormone that's being produced by the thyroid. So the traditional protocol is not actually addressing the immune system at all. It's just saying, okay, well, how can we just, you know, correct the levels of thyroid hormone and call it a day? But when we really, really think about this with common sense, the thyroid is located in the neck. The thyroid is surrounded by mouth. It is surrounded by tonsils if you still have them. It's also surrounded by lymph nodes, which are a primary part of your immune system. And also your sinuses drain into all of these different structures. So when we're talking about autoimmune, your immune system is attacking tissue, is what they say. What is the job of your immune system? The job of your immune system is to attack foreign invaders. So why would your immune system just turn on itself or turn on you? It's not really how it works. Your immune system is going to attack something foreign, but it can definitely damage tissue if that foreign invader is in that tissue. So if you've had a bunch of sinus issues, sinus infections, and that bacteria has now gotten into the throat area, the tonsils, the lymph nodes, 
And then maybe on top of it, you've had a bunch of dental work, which has leached a bunch of chemicals into the same areas. And then maybe on top of that, you had, you know, an infection from your wisdom tooth or a tooth got pulled or a root canal. All of that is going right into this tissue. And it's like your thyroid is in a bad neighborhood. So it's important to understand that if you're being exposed to mold from an environmental perspective and you're breathing that in because maybe it's at your job and you're spending eight hours a day there, that's going into the sinuses and then it's going into all of this lymph tissue because the lymph is trying to get rid of it. But if you're being exposed over and over again, day to day, hour to hour, that is going to eventually burden the body's ability to get rid of it. And you are going to start having issues in your throat, in the lymph nodes, you might get neck pain, and then eventually you get diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Okay, so the biggest myths we're gonna talk about tonight is number one, you personally have had the best testing for mold toxicity, if any. Um, we're also going to talk about if PMS is actually normal. We're also going to talk about how mold affects your thyroid, which we've briefly touched on. How does it affect your fertility? How does it affect your mood? Also, that you have had the best type of testing for your house. And then we're also going to talk about mold exposures through personal products and how does hormonal therapy actually play a role in all of this. So when it comes to testing, yes, there are protocols that I mentioned prior that are done through the Shoemaker protocol. But the one thing that you need to understand is that this primary marker that's being ran to tell you if you have active mold or not is called trans growth factor beta one. For a long time in my practice, I used that marker that I run through LabCorp or Quest, and I use that marker as a way to dictate if this person had an issue with mold or not. And then what I realized is that this marker is not necessarily the black and white marker for mold. It is actually an immune system marker that is representative of chronic inflammation, which can be due to mold, but it could also be due to viruses, and it could also be due to parasites, and it could also be due to Lyme disease and a variety of other things. So if you've had this test done because you've sought out a shoemaker protocol and you're being treated for mold right now and you're not getting better, you need to understand that that marker is not necessarily about mold. It is showing that your immune system is under very significant stress, putting you in a chronic inflammatory state. So we need to figure out, is it truly mold or is it something else? The other big thing too is MSH, VEGFP. So MSH, monocyte stimulating hormone. This is the other thing that they talk about in um, the Shoemaker protocol as being a marker for mold. So the thing that you wanna take away from this is MSH is made in your pituitary gland, um, or I'm sorry, your hypothalamus of the brain. So your hypothalamus is what? It is the control center for all of your hormones. So this alone is what took me down the rabbit hole of understanding how mold is affecting hormones. And it's primarily because the mold is going to suppress the hypothalamus, which is going to suppress the signaling to your thyroid, to your adrenals, and to your reproductive organs, which make 
all of your hormones. So it's not that the mold is invading your ovaries or anything like that. Um, it's more so that the control center is compromised. I've worked with many, many women that have come to me and they're like, my period just stopped. I don't understand what's going on. And as we dug deeper, we found out that their period stopped right at the time they started a new job that ended up being a moldy environment or, you know, they moved into a basement apartment. So you can definitely have some abrupt changes hormonally if you are especially exposed to black mold. And black mold can be in basements that smell musty and gross. It can be in a house that also smells um, very musty or um, a lot of times moldy. You can also have it in a bathroom that is attached to the bedroom. So one of the ways that you can actually gauge if mold is in your house is by going into your bathroom and looking at your toilet. So if you have a black ring where your water meets the sides in the toilet bowl, that is a sign that you have mold in your house, potentially just in the bathroom, but always a possibility that it's in the house. So again, look in your toilet bowl where the water meets the sides that if there is a black ring, that is a sign there is mold in your house. So this is a simple thing that can allow you to know, is this part of my puzzle? And the biggest thing with the mold too is it's going to affect you the most if it's in a, if it's in an area that you're being exposed for extended amounts of time. So AKA if it's at your job, also if it's going to be in or near your sleeping arrangements. So that would be in relation to is there mold in your ensuite bathroom? The other thing too that I actually didn't mention last week as we were talking about mold is that the other really big thing that is important about your home is that they did an experiment years ago in relation to mold. So what they did was they took two different Petri dishes of mold. The one Petri dish they put in uh, an isolated environment. The other Petri dish they put in the regular environment, AKA Wi-Fi soup is what I call it. So when I say regular environment, like it's not like they took this Petri dish and put it directly next to a router or anything or a cell phone. They just literally put it in the middle of a regular household environment. But what they found is that the Petri dish that was isolated from all radiation from wireless devices, cell phones, routers, computers, etc., that one had minimal mold growth. But the one in the regular environment multiplied by 600% in one week. So, the thing that is really, really um, important for you to gauge in your own body is if you have potentially been exposed to mold and then you start to have weird phantom buzzing in your body, AKA you feel like your cell phone's on you and then you are like, oh, that's not my cell phone, that was weird. Especially if you feel it in your legs and your arms, that fan, uh, phantom vibratory feeling is a sign that you have mold toxicity that is being affected by all of the wireless technology around you. So this goes way deeper than people realize 
because all of this technology that we are being exposed to and we're wearing Apple watches and Fitbits and we got our AirPods, is that what they're called? I'm literally living the stone age. Um, all of these Bluetooth devices are causing so much stress on our system neurologically. And it also is a catalyst for the growth of these types of organisms like mold. So this is extremely important for you guys to understand. The other thing too, when it comes to the nasal swab, so one of the traditional tests for mold is testing the sinuses for something called Marcons, which is done um, by a, a company called Microbiology DX. So this is another thing anatomy wise to keep in mind is if you have a bunch of issues in your sinuses, if you have issues because of mold, if you have issues because of bacteria, this is extremely close proximity to your brain. In addition to that, you also have a bunch of nerves that go to your eyes and your sinuses that lead back to the brain. So if you get mold or fungus in your sinuses, that can invade those nerves and affect your neurological system, which will then again suppress the pituitary and hypothalamus, which will further screw up your hormones. So it's extremely important for you guys to know that there's a lot of ways that this can happen. It's not just, you know, one thing or one route. The other thing too with um, other types of labs that exist that are really better options for truly getting answers is real-time labs. Real-time labs not only provides uh, different testing kits for your physical body to figure out if you have mycotoxins, which is important for you guys to understand because it's not necessarily about the mold, it's about do you have mold toxicity? Uh, which are called mycotoxins, is that what's affecting your body? Um, Real-time labs, though, also does environmental testing, which is really, really important. So one side note about this whole mold conversation is that as females, we think PMS is just normal. We think that this is just what we have to deal with because this is just the way that it is. But I will tell you that one of the things that I've learned over time uh, is that when you're dealing with PMS, you know, when you really think about it, everyone's different. Some women get moody. Some women get bloated. Some women want to eat everything. Some women get migraines. Some women get loose bowel movements leading up to their period. Every single woman is different. So why does PMS have so many different faces? And what it is, is that your immune system is constantly working in this day and age. Your immune system is dealing with toxins. It's dealing with the pesticides on your food. It's dealing with the crap that your dentist put in your mouth. It's dealing with, you know, the different bacterias that were on your kale. You know, guys, we're exposed to stuff all the time, but our bodies are equipped to deal with it. But right now, because of how much toxicity is out there and how many more chemicals they use on everything, it's causing our immune systems to work a lot harder. So if your immune system is working hard on the back end and then you are now approaching your menstrual cycle, your menstrual cycle takes up a lot of your energy. 
So what happens is that your menstrual cycle pretty much says, hey, immune system, I need to steal all this energy that you've been using to fight off all the bad stuff. And I need to take this energy because I have to prepare for this menstrual cycle. So it's like all of that energy gets derailed. And then what happens from there is that you then will develop symptoms that are associated with wherever your problem areas are that the immune system was dealing with. So if your immune system has been dealing with a bunch of stuff in your gut and now it's derailed to prepare for the menstrual cycle, those are the women that get either constipated or loose bowel movements. If you were dealing with a bunch of things stressing out your neurological system like mold, then you pretty much go and your menstrual cycle starts to happen and you start getting migraines associated with it. So there is a huge connection with hormones and the immune system and the hormones will derail the immune system, which is one of the reasons why PMS looks different across the board. When it comes to our hormones, our hormones can be dramatically affected by toxins associated with mold, but also a lot of our personal products. So one of the things that I've talked about in a lot of the seminars that I've taught, and women are always like, holy crap, I'm like, that's crazy, is that is tampons. So tampons are made of cotton. Cotton is something that grows with mold. So when I work with women that have chronic yeast infections, a lot of the times it's because they're being exposed to the mold, which is fungal, from the tampons, and that is causing this massive overgrowth, and they keep getting it, getting the yeast infections, going on these antifungals like Difucan, and it just keeps coming back. So the point is, is that sometimes it's not about the food, it's not about the antibiotics, it can also be these other things that we're being exposed to, tampons being one of them. There are many other things that we use on a day-to-day -day basis that screw up our hormones, that also suppress our pituitary function, and a lot of those are in the plastics. They're part, um, pesticides that are on our food, phthalates that are in our lotions, conditioners, all of those things. So when it comes down to the things that are working against us from a hormonal perspective, it's not just about mold, it's also about all of these other types of toxins. So overall, you might need to detox mold out of your body, but in that same interim, we might also be working on clearing these other types of toxins out too to obviously correct the hormones once and for all. So when we talk about food, we've obviously mentioned that there are certain foods that grow with mold or fungus. So when it comes to one of the big things is mycoestrogens. So there are certain types of molds out there that can actually mimic estrogen. This is very, very common on corn and soy. So corn and soy are two leading reasons for hormonal imbalance, and it's partly because of these mycoestrogens. So again, these are types of mycotoxins that are associated with raising our estrogen levels, which then will deplete our pro, uh, progesterone levels. This is one of the big culprits for really irregular periods or the complete loss of a period as well. 
So the big thing here is that, you know, when it comes to hormones and mold is, you know, can this really affect my hormones? Can this really compromise my fertility? And, you know, and how does hormonal therapy all play into this? You have your hypothalamus, which your pituitary is part of the hypothalamus, thyroid, adrenals, and your gonads, your reproductive organs. All of these are constantly, constantly, constantly in communication with each other. So you can have dysfunction of one, you can have dysfunction of, of various, but even if you have dysfunction of one area, it is going to throw off the entire access. So one of the seminars that I went to, um, one of the practitioners said, if you think you're going to manipulate the hormonal pathways and win, good luck. And I really resonated with that because it's true. When we're talking about, okay, I'm going to give you the master protocol, the master bioidentical hormone, the master hormone replacement that's going to connect the hypothalamus to the pituitary, to the thyroid, to the adrenals, and to the gonads. And then on top of it, I'm going to also make sure that all the cofactors are also fully supported, aka zinc, folate, B1, B2, B12, B6, B5. Like, guys, if I was to get into the, like, the, the nitty gritty of the pathways, you would be like head spinning and get off. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that it's not even just about the communication of all of these pathways. It's all also about all the other nutrients that your body needs to support these pathways. So when it comes to thinking that we're going to manipulate it and get it right and solve all of your problems, that is virtually impossible. So we need to figure out why are your hormones off in the first place? Is it because you have a bunch of immune system stress? Is it because you have emotional stress? Is it because there's toxicity from mold affecting your, your brain or your thyroid? Like what is the foundational issue here? Because that is what's going to give you the hormonal corrections that are going to last. And I'm passionate about saying this because there are those of you that are listening that have done hormone replacement, you've done bioidenticals, you've done supplements, and you felt better. I can guarantee it because I did it to myself. I felt better. And then I was like, I feel good. I'm going to come off of this protocol. And as soon as I came off of the protocol, I went right back to where I was because I didn't fix anything. I actually just put a Band-Aid on it because I ended up having massive mold toxicity from I'm pretty sure my whole life of everywhere that I lived um, and ate as well. But that was a piece that I was not addressing because it wasn't on my radar at that time. So knowing what I know now, once I was able to fix that stress on my immune system was when I really saw my hormones correct. And I literally cannot even tell you how many thyroid issues completely resolve by getting the bad stuff out of the body, especially mold. It's like, I literally had a patient the other day and she was like in tears. She's like, how is this even possible? She's like, I'm so grateful, but like, this is crazy. Because all we did was we did a big lymphatic detox 
from mold and mercury and pretty much all of her hormonal issues went away. Her hair started growing in. She said that her hairstylist told her that she has all these little hairs because her hair growth is coming back. Um, so the body is amazing. It is extremely resilient when you actually figure out the root cause. So the other big thing that I want to mention here, and I talked about this last week, is that for those of you that are like, I don't even know, I'm listening to this webinar, and like, I really don't think I have a mold problem, and I really don't, I can't imagine that it's in my house because, you know, I had it checked or whatever the case may be. Um, when you're talking about a home inspection, they're pretty much doing an air quality test. And the air quality test is looking at the abundance of mold in your home versus the abundance of mold outside. First of all, there is a ton of mold outside because there are molds on trees and bushes and flowers and animals and everything else. So that is skewed to begin with. But number two is that it's not about the abundance of mold. It is about toxic mold. Do you have toxic mold in your home opposed to do you have a lot of mold in your home? Because some molds are not harmful. So when you're talking air quality, it's not always going to give you the best information. You also want to consider something called a swab test. And the swab test is called the environmental swab test. Uh, I primarily use the real-time labs company. So this is a fantastic way that you can actually go through your home. You can swab areas that you suspect. So if that's your vents or if that's, um, you know, a bathroom, if you have a, no idea, you can actually take your vacuum through your home and you can swab the vacuum filter and send that out because um, mold spores get trapped in dust, just so you know. So it's important to test for the mycotoxins, aka the toxic mold, opposed to the abundance of all molds. The other thing too is that um, if you've done that type of test and it has not helped you, there is another test, um, it's actually a technology, there's not many people that use it, but one of the women that we work with that does all of our mold inspections, um, she uses something called an Instascope. And an Instascope has the ability to go room by room and tell you if there is not only mold, but if there is also something called uh, VOCs, which are toxic off-gassing compounds in your home. And that is a really amazing way to get a baseline to know, like, is there something that I'm missing that I'm being exposed to? But guys, don't just think about your house. Think about your workplace. I ask people all the time, I'm like, I don't know. How am I supposed to know? And I'm like, well, do other people in your office complain about, you know, uh, sneezing, watery eyes? You know, are they saying they feel nauseous? Do they feel sick? Like, do they feel dizzy? These are all signs that there might be something sick in, in the end. So definitely paying attention to those things in your workplace is really significant as well. So we had a patient. Um, she was a younger patient. She had really irregular um, menstrual cycles, very painful periods. Um, she started having some fainting around her cycle, and she also was struggling with infertility. Um, once she started trying, she started realizing that, you know, she potentially, you know, was not going to get pregnant. So as we started to do her evaluation, you know, with her painful period, she suspected, she was like, nobody's tested me for endometriosis. I wonder if that's part of the puzzle. And that was definitely something that was showing up in her testing. 
But one of the other things that was really off of her radar was the fact that she was dealing with a thyroid condition. She was also dealing with really unstable blood sugar. And this all started right after college. So first and foremost, I want you guys to understand this blood sugar conversation. And I talk a lot about this in my neurological um, webinar that I did, I think about two months ago. But when it comes to blood sugar, it's not about you know, high blood sugar, diabetes, pre-diabetes, having low blood sugar or hypoglycemia is just as harmful to your hormones, to your brain as diabetes. And I say this because if you run with low blood sugar very often, most of the time you wake up in the morning, you're not really hungry, you don't eat, so then you drink coffee, suppresses your appetite further, then you get really hungry and you wanna like hurt people if you don't eat, so then you eat something that usually ends up being carbohydrate-based and then you spike your blood sugar and you crash it, and then you're looking for your midday coffee, maybe a little something sweet, then you're starving again for dinner, so you're eating cheese and crackers, then you eat dinner, and then you want something sweet again. So I hear this so often, but if you're the person who is not hungry in the morning, and if worse, if you're nauseous in the morning, you have blood sugar issues. You have low blood sugar issues. So all of these blood sugar fluctuations are extremely compromising to your hormones. That alone can cause you to lose your period. So you definitely need to take into consideration, are you that person who is not hungry in the morning, drinking coffee, waiting until you're starving, getting shaky um, if you don't eat? And then the other thing too is do you have pain at the bottom of your sternum? Because that's where your pancreas is lo located. So that's another sign that your pancreas might be stressed, which is what stabilize your, your, stabilizes your blood sugar. So the blood sugar was one piece of the puzzle. Then we also had this growth of tissue. And then on top of it, we also had an autoimmune thyroid condition. The biggest thing about this connection between the endometriosis and the autoimmune thyroid was her lymph nodes. So just to keep this really simple, you have lymph nodes from the top of your head all the way down to your toes. You have a lot of lymph nodes in your head and neck to protect your brain. You have a lot of lymph nodes in your chest to protect your lungs and your heart. And you have a lot of lymph nodes in your groin to protect your reproductive organs. So your lymph is the master filter of the body. It gets rid of all the bad stuff. It gobbles it up like Pac-Man and it gets it out. So if you are being exposed to mold, which we deciphered was in her very old, disgusting college dorm room, in addition to the air conditioning unit that was in her window that was like 20 years old blowing into her face, between those two things, that caused her to be exposed to mold for various hours a day that started to compromise her entire lymphatic system because she goes, I gained a lot of weight at college. And I was like, do you really feel like you gained weight or do you just feel puffy? I was like, do you literally feel like you can put a pin in yourself and you feel like you're gonna pop? And she's like, no, I literally feel puffy. She's like, I feel uncomfortable in my own skin. Like literally her skin was tight. So weight gain and inflammation are two different things. Like. The weight gain due to inflammation is like you have water retention, your shoes are fitting tight, you can't get your rings on and off, 
and you have a global puffiness. It's not like just in your belly or just in your thighs. It's like kind of everywhere. So she was attributing weight gain, you know, to, you know, having fun, partying, all that. But really at the end of the day, she was in chronic inflammatory state and her lymph nodes being super congested was what created thyroid stress. And it was also the culprit for why she had excess tissue around her reproductive organs. So the point of me telling this to you is that this was not a super difficult patient. We pretty much helped her detox her lymphatic system. We stabilized her blood sugar through strategy with her diet and some supplementation. And she was able to pretty much bounce back over three months and move on with her life. So, but this was a girl that could have potentially went down the road of, okay, now I'm on hormones, birth control, this, that, the other thing to try to regulate her, you know, her periods. She potentially would have had to get surgery for the endometriosis. She would have been on, on Synthroid for her thyroid. And who knows, she could have ended up with type one or type two diabetes down the line. So this could have spiraled in a really bad direction, but fortunately we were able to fix the root cause and she was fine. So another big thing that I think is super important to understand is that for those of you listening, especially if you're a female and you just can't wait to go back to your husband and be like, I know it's mold. I listened to this webinar and I totally have mold issues and that's what's causing my hormonal problems is that um, a lot of the pushback in a family dynamic is that, well, it can't be mold and it can't be in our house because I feel fine. And there is a reason. I remember for a long time wondering, you know, is it men ignore their symptoms? Like, I don't really know. But one side note about this is that men will have a tendency to have erectile dysfunction and, and or low testosterone levels when they have mold toxicity. So when you have men that get tested and they have really low testosterone and then they start getting testosterone shots and their levels go up and then as soon as they stop the shots it goes back down they have mold toxicity and the mold is suppressing the testosterone production side note but uh, the other thing too is that when it comes to why women and young children will be more symptomatic in a family dynamic or in a, in a household is because of blood volume and blood composition. So women have a lower blood volume, so do children. Women also have lower oxygen bearing red blood cells and we also lose a lot of our iron through our menstrual cycle. So those three factors, the biggest one being lower blood volume is the reason why women are more symptomatic in a mold toxic environment than a male is. So it is important for you to know that because I, I literally have had the husbands come in and they're like, there's no possible way I'm not spending money on testing my house. And I'm like, well, you should because you are easily asymptomatic and then I'll test them and they'll also have mold toxicity and then they'll finally test the house. So it's important to know that because it definitely looks different across the board in families. And it's not just about symptomatic versus not. Um, like looking back on my situation of growing up in a house um, that was moldy for most of my life, Everybody looked different. My dad used to get rashes around his eyes. 
My mom had chronic, chronic, chronic sinusitis, terrible sinus issues. She also used to get fungal infections under um, on her abdomen, like underneath her breast area. My brother actually had terrible swollen lymph nodes and he started getting precancerous cells on his skin. Um, I had definitely a lot of sinus issues and snoring, but I actually was having a lot of hormonal problems. I was having like really, really, really painful periods. Um, I definitely had cysts on my ovaries and things like that as well. So it looked very different across the board in a house of people all being exposed to the same type of mold. So speaking about cysts on the ovaries, um, one of the most common conditions that I see associated with mold toxicity is polycystic ovarian syndrome. It doesn't have to technically be the full-blown polycystic ovarian syndrome, but it is very common in the event that a woman is dealing with cysts on the ovaries and sometimes even polyps or fibroids in the uterus or I should say even outside of the uterus. The biggest thing to take away from this idea of how is this affecting is none, back to the tampon conversation. If you're using tampons consistently that are non-organic, that are cotton covered in mycotoxins, AKA mold, and you're using those for five, six, seven days a month, that can be what's putting the fungus into the uterus and the vaginal tract, which is throwing off either your pap smears or causing you to have fibroids or polyps in your uterus. Then if we're dealing with systemic mold because it got into the lymph nodes, that's when you get more of the cysts on the outside of either the ovaries or fibroids on the outside of the uterus. So it is very, very common in a chronically congested lymph in that area. It's interesting because I remember being very dramatic as a kid. I, I guess my husband would probably uh, say that I'm also equally as dramatic as I was when I was young. But um, I would notice when I would be like shaving my legs that I would have random bumps in my groin. And of course I'm like, oh my God, what do I have, cancer? And um, what it was, was I had swollen lymph nodes along my bikini line a lot of the times. And like some women say like, oh, I have, um, you know, like I get cysts or I get bumps or I get pimples or whatever the case may be. But a lot of that, even if it is truly pimples or bumps or redness, that's because those ducts are blocked. Um, so it's, if you're dealing with that in that area, you need to consider, are these lymph nodes really blocked? And is that playing a role in either your um, cysts on your ovaries or your endometriosis or other types of reproductive stressors? Uh, so it's very, very important to understand that anatomy does mean a lot because everything at the end of the day is very, very, very connected. And for this specific patient, she was diagnosed with the polycystic ovarian syndrome. She was also diagnosed with the endometriosis. And then she was really struggling with her weight, um, also dealing with brain fog and memory loss. So when we really like pieced it together for her, she had a ton of ear infections as a kid, lots and lots of penicillin antibiotics and amoxicillin as an adult. So penicillin and amoxicillin, for those of you that have been here the whole time, 
I mentioned that those antibiotics are made from penicillium mold. So this is one of the ways that we get exposed to systemic mold issues. She also had a lot of sinus issues. Her sinus issues ended up being a combination of strep. Yes, strep doesn't only live in your throat, it can also live in your sinuses, but she also had associations with um, fungus that was also in her sinuses. She dealt with a lot of yeast infections over time that those yeast infections, yeast is fungus, so is mold. So there was a big overlap to some of the um, systemic mold issues that she was dealing with. And then she also had a lot of stomach aches. So when it comes down to the big picture, and I'm gonna break this down, is she was shaky and lightheaded without eating. So that tells me she has blood sugar issues. If you listen from earlier, blood sugar issues will throw off your hormones. She didn't sweat. If you don't sweat or you only glisten, that is a sign that your detox pathways, especially your lymph nodes, are congested and blocked. Fibrocystic breasts. So you have tons of lymph nodes in your armpits, in your chest. So fibrocystic breasts is a sign that the lymph nodes are congested. She also had neck pain and mild headaches. Turned out congested lymph nodes in the head and neck, causing her to have a lot of discomfort in here. Also had an allergy to penicillin later in life. After she took penicillin most of her childhood, they gave her a penicillin shot later in life for something that she had going on. She broke out in hives. So again, another sign that now there is a toxicity going on. She started having fainting spells around her period, a lot of like dizziness, vertigo type symptoms. I think actually at one point they diagnosed her with POT syndrome as well. Um, a lot of brain fog, concentration issues, worse with her menstrual cycle, a lot of swollen glands in her groin, constantly struggling with yeast infections and also bacterial vaginosis. And then she also had pain at the bottom of her sternum. So all in all, let's make this super simple. She had a ton of issues going on in her lymphatic system. She had blood sugar instability. She had mold toxicity, which caused her to have an allergy to the penicillin. And now at this point, all of this congestion in the lymphatic system is what was causing her to have a lot of mental fatigue as well as a lot of brain fog. Um, when it comes to a really compromised lymphatic system, that is one of the biggest culprits for chronic fatigue as well as um, brain fog. So your brain fog can very much be uh, correlated to the fact that your body is not detoxing properly. So I'm here to tell you that you don't know what you don't know. It is impossible for you guys to be able to piece this puzzle together by yourself. And it's also really hard to piece this puzzle together without better testing. So it's really just about knowing what exists out there so that you can figure this out and you can also stop accepting all of these symptoms as just being your normal. And definitely when it comes to hormones, it's not about bad genes. Just because your mom and your aunt had a thyroid issue doesn't mean you're doomed to get a thyroid issue. A lot of those things, you know, you could have a predisposition, but there are many factors that are going to be the catalyst to you actually developing that issue. And everything is solvable. 
with the right tools and the right strategy, you can correct most of these issues. It's not just like you're doomed and that's kind of the end of the story. So if you didn't notice throughout this presentation that none of these people and none of these case studies that I reported, none of them look or sound like the textbook. It's not just like, oh, you have low progesterone, bioidentical problem solved, like the, or mold toxicity, take cholestyramine problem solved. Like these were all cases that hit plateaus with their healing journey because it was multifaceted and there were various layers. So the point is, is that if you don't match the textbook and you have a myriad of all these different symptoms, then how do you expect to get better by using textbook approaches? How are you gonna get better by just rubbing a bioidentical lotion on you when potentially mold is the reason why your hormones are off in the first place? So I wanna take a peek to see if there is any questions. Um, Toxicity, pollution in the air affecting your menstrual cycle. Yes, 100%. Um, one of the ways that it does this is that um, different types of toxicity, especially neurotoxins like aluminum and mercury, these come from your deodorant. These come from air. These come from uh, consumption of fish, tuna, um, swordfish being the two top ones. These are all um, definitely correlated with uh, affecting the nerves that control your reproductive organs, there also can be very toxic to the pituitary gland. So definitely it's not just about the mold, it can be a variety of other types of toxins as well. Um, early menopause common with chronic inflammatory response syndrome definitely can be a part of it. But again, this chronic inflammatory response syndrome it doesn't necessarily indicate just mold. Chronic inflammatory response syndrome can 100% be from a virus. It can be from a parasite issue. It can be from, you know, a heavy metal toxicity. It can be from other types of pollutants like asbestos. There are so many possibilities. Um, yes, uh, you, um, when you're dealing with UTIs um, or different inflammation in the urinary tract, this can very much be tied to um, everything that we're talking about because also too, even if you're using the tampons and you think about where your vaginal tract is versus your urinary tract, they are so close in proximity. So if you've had yeast infections, um, you could easily have that same yeast or fungus affecting your urethra. Um, and you can also get fungus that invades the bladder as well. So it is very, very common that you can have either one. Mold comes from the craziest freaking places. It's like, it's so unfortunate because, you know, I get it, especially if you have a big family and like, you know, you have to like be cautious with spending. And it's like, we buy these materials and we try to buy things at a better price but it's like we don't even realize how many crappy materials that they're using nowadays. And some of the materials like the cottons and the polyesters, they're written with different types of um, mycotoxins in the first place, let alone if you know your dog pees on your bed or your child wet the bed or something like that. So we have to definitely take into consideration some of these, um, you know, cheap materials and these mattresses that are going for 500 bucks. I was just recently in the market for buying a new mattress 
And um, it's just crazy. You know, you go from the same company who's making a $500 mattress, but if you want the Cedar mattress, which is um, a mold-free, organic, better material, it's 2000 so, you know, it's it's crazy. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be crazy in your house and you don't have to spend a million dollars. But I do think you have to think about where do you spend the most time? You spend a lot of time in your bedroom. And, you know, some of you women that are, you know, you're you're either um, doing homeschooling or you're a stay-at-home mom, you might be spending a lot of time in the kitchen. You might be spending a lot of time in, you know, in the office or the living room or whatever. You have to think about those areas and just try to clean up those areas. So that's really, really important. Um, if your house has mold, what are the solutions to reduce or address the mold? Um, glad you asked this. I want to make a disclaimer. Please don't use bleach. Bleach is terrible. Um, my last webinar that I did last week, I told a story about a patient that I had with ulcerative colitis. Uh, she had ulcerative colitis. We realized that her ulcerative colitis was actually due to uh, mold. Uh, she had a complete fungal invasion uh, of her entire gastrointestinal system. And she, we realized that um, her levels were so elevated that there was a strong possibility that it was in her house. As we asked better questions, it turned out that um, the ulcerative colitis, uh, the onset was when she moved back home and she moved into her parents' basement. She moved into the basement to have more privacy. So turned out there is was tons of black mold in the basement once she started poking around and, you know, kind of peeling back some walls. And her parents told her that she was stupid and that there was no possible way that mold could cause ulcerative colitis. So she got very upset and went downstairs and was like, I'll do it myself. And she dumped bleach everywhere um, to clean it, no mask, and she put herself in the hospital. So it's very, very important for you guys to just keep that in mind is that there are definitely ways to um, to work with this. I'm actually completely forgetting the solution she gave me um, as a recommendation to work with mold, but even just basic um, apple cider vinegar and water is a great step in the right direction. So guys, I know one of the biggest reasons you're on here is you're trying to figure out, okay, what the heck can I do about this? What you know, What's available to me? So number one is I want you to understand like a lot of the cases that I talked about today, I'm talking about cases that we leverage different and better testing with. And the reason being is because when I was in the old model of using more of this functional medicine concept, I was using a lot of your very traditional labs. I was using blood work. I was using, you know, nasal swabs, urinary tests, et cetera. And I still found that there was some limitations with that. So I started to kind of dabble in what else is out there that could give me better answers faster. And in addition to that, I also wanted more tools. I wanted to have more tools outside of diet and supplements. I could put you on an anti-mold diet and hope for the best, but an anti-mold diet is going to potentially keep you from getting more mold, but it's not necessarily going to detox the mold out of your body that you've already been exposed to. So I moved into this world of integrative medicine to leverage better testing and also to have better solutions to resolve the mold once and for all. For me and my personal journey, I was all about like 
clean up my gut, clean up my liver, detox, detox, detox through those pathways. And the biggest thing that I missed was how compromised my lymphatic system was that the first time that I ever got into an infrared sauna, by the way, infrared heats you from the inside out like a fever. So it helps to burn bad stuff out of your system. So normally, if your lymph is healthy, you should sweat within 10 minutes. It took me an hour and 15 minutes to sweat. So when that happened, I realized, holy crap, this is a huge part of my puzzle that I have completely overlooked. And I had no idea that this was one of the reasons why I kept hitting plateaus. So yes, portable saunas are awesome. Um, infrared specifically, if you go out and go on Amazon right now and look at an infrared sauna, yes, there are infrared saunas that are very cheap, but they usually give off a lot of EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies, which is the same stuff your cell phone gives off. So really just be careful with the, the brand. Clear light and sunlight in are the two best companies, but they are definitely pricier. So I really thank you guys for being here with me as we embarked on our second week uh, talking all about mold. Uh, for the rest of the month, we're actually going to talk a little bit more about how mold toxicity affects men. And then we are also talking about breast implant illness, which is such a hot topic right now. Um, but I know that there is a big connection that people are talking about with the breast implants and mold. So I'm going to shed light on that and have people understand a little bit more of the bigger picture. But um, overall, I love doing these. You know, I really hope that you took away a lot of good knowledge. You know, this is really all about um, education. And, you know, the biggest thing is, is when you finally do your own testing and figure out what's going on with you, that's when this becomes a breakthrough experience because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And being able to feel better and get your, your health and your life back is really just you know, the reason why I at least get up every day and do what I do. So this is our website for you guys that want to check out a little bit more about us. And also, if you do want to um, check out our strategy call as well. So we'll be back next week. Uh, thank you guys again for being here. And I will see you next week. We thank you for being a listener and subscriber to Integrative Wellness Radio. If you're looking to learn more about Integrative Wellness Group, as well as Dr. Nick or Dr. Nicole, you can check out integrativewellnessgroup.com.